One of the things that we have learned about these various disciplines that we are growing up in is that they are not merely individual. See, generous giving is not merely private giving. It is corporate. That is, we do it in the company of God's people, not because we're showing off, but because it's a part of worship. God's people come before him, and they act like priests. And so they give generously. Prayer is private and individual, but it's also corporate. We do that in the company of God's people, seeking God's honor and provision for others as well as for ourselves. Give us this day our daily bread. We're not only asking for ourselves. It's not, give me my bread and tomatoes, Lord. Give us our daily bread. And really, that word is that bread which is sufficient for me this day. So it requires us to come before the Lord daily. Telling the story is not telling the story to ourselves, but telling, to, telling the story to others. Others who are inside the church community as well as outside the church community. Because we all need to hear the story again and again and again. And so this fourth discipline, this fourth discipline of considering how to stir up one another to love and good works is what we call fellowship. It's what we call fellowship. Having something in common and really sort of encouraging one another in that common life. And in fact, this stirring one another to love and good works is the core of fellowship. It's the core of fellowship, the real purpose of fellowship. And it's not a private religion matter. You can't have fellowship with others by being by yourself. You have fellowship with others by being with others. And so it's very much done in community. Before I explain to you really what's going on in this passage, I need to Look at the background. We've got to get some backstory here. It's, it's that it presses that intensely upon our understanding of what's going on. This letter was written to the Hebrews. It was written to some Jewish Christians. We don't exactly know where, but they were written. It was written to some Jewish Christians. And what was taking place is that they were starting to bail out. We don't know what that's like to have been a Jewish Christian in the old world being drawn out of a Jewish nation that had some sense that their Messiah was going to conquer everybody else and they were going to be put on top. They were going to be the leaders. And then all of a sudden they're losing their homes, they're being mistreated, they're being called names, being put down because they believed in a Messiah who died for their sins. In the Jewish mind, that was just not, that didn't square. The Messiah was not going to be defeated. He was not going to be killed. He was going to be exalted to the highest place. Not realizing that the one enemy that plagued them the worst was their sin. 
The one enemy that plagued them the worst was death that would dog them all of their days because of their sin and then plug them into the grave and leave them there. And that's the Messiah kind of Messiah they received. And so some of them believed that and they began to flourish and then the persecution came. The rejection, the names, the things said about them behind their back because they held on to this teaching of a Messiah who died a criminal's death on a cross. And so they started to drift away. And it wasn't so much they said, you know, I'm out of here, I'm leaving. But, you know, it began to lose its sparkle. They began to drift. You know what drifting is like. If any of you have done any rafting, if you've done any kind of canoeing, pull your paddle out of the water and then watch some reference point on the shoreline. And bit by bit, your location changes and you begin to drift away. That's what was happening. They were pulling out of just connecting with other believers. They were starting to drift because they, didn't, they just didn't think they could put up with the opposition. And so this writer to these, these people is, is saying, You're, some of these Jews are going back to the old ceremonial practices. And the writer to the, to the Hebrews said, wait a second, what are you doing? And he begins showing from chapter 1 the absolute superiority and the superlative beauty and character of our Lord Jesus Christ. The majestic Son of God, the Lord of glory, victory over the grave, ascended into heaven and seated in the highest place. And he starts showing them the superiority and then he begins calling them back into faithfulness. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What he's exhorting them to do is don't give up on Christian fellowship. Don't give up on gathering together because that's what's going to carry you through. With the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for our sins, his resurrection, his victory over the grave, we should have more confidence than ever to approach the living God, even when the pressure is mounted up, even when the pressure cooker is turned up. We are to hold fast our confession, it says in verse 23. We are to have full assurance before God, and we are encouraged to draw near. Now, this idea of being encouraged, let us consider how to, to stir up one another to love and good works. This idea of stirring up one another is to make one another irritated. That's the word. We're to irritate one another. Well, what does that mean? If we're supposed to stir up one another to love and good works, how does that come through irritation? Well, there's a couple of ways we can think about it. It's the irritation that 
If you get an itch on the bottom of your foot and you say to yourself, oh my goodness, if I continue to sit in this chair, it's going to drive me crazy. So you stand up and you start walking back and forth in the living room and rubbing your feet in the carpet to try and get rid of the itch on the bottom of your foot. Or it's like having a burr in your sock. When you're out trying to have a walk and that burr just keeps digging into your ankle and you know that if you walked a little bit faster, that burr actually wouldn't dig in. It's that kind of a thing. We are to stir up one another to love and good works. It involves challenge. It involves reminders. That's the irritation part, because sometimes somebody needs to say to you, Chris, you need to stop fooling around with the computer and actually study something. Chris? You need to stop going to the restaurant so often and just have another bowl of cereal and read something substantial. Did I just say those out loud? It's the idea that somebody challenges us enough to stop being distracted by the things that are presented and that are, we are refocused on what the Lord would have us to do. And so this involves challenge to have confidence in the finished work of Christ, a challenge to draw near to the Lord. You know, if somebody comes and says, "Uh, you know, I'm so depressed. Okay, that's fine. What are you depressed about? I don't know. I just, I'm not sure what to do with myself. So tell me about your prayer life. I pray a little bit. Tell me about your Bible reading. I read last week. Well, tell me about, tell me about your, your what, what other kinds of things are you reading? What kinds of things are you reading about the spiritual life? Um, there was a book in 1988. No, drawing near, doing that day by day by day. And so you, you spur them on to a greater diligence Not because you hate them, not because you're trying to control them, but because you love them. You love them and you want them to know the Lord Jesus, to know God's gracious and powerful work in their lives, to draw near to be able to say, Lord, you're majestic and lovely, and I want to be made more like you. So there's a kind of a feedback loop here. You see, not only are we to uh, recognize that we have confidence to come before the Lord, Not only do we recognize that we can draw near, but in being encouraged and spurring one another on, we come back to this idea of the confidence and the drawing near. And we do that with one another so that we might know the Lord, so that we might behave as beloved sons and daughters. So, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Love for the Lord with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Good works as we seek to do works of mercy and tenderness with those who are in need around us. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. Verse 25. The Bible takes seriously, and Bible Bible fellowship, biblical fellowship, takes seriously the fact that we have weaknesses that we, we 
drift or are in danger of drifting. This idea of habits of neglect means to forsake. Not to neglect or to forsake as someone who abandons, who rejects, not so much that, not so much as to turn your back on something in rejection, but to become so occupied that you turn your attention elsewhere and start to do something else that becomes a habit. Let me give you an example. At the beginning of the summer, there are a couple of kids playing out here in the parking lot. I love watching the kids play in the parking lot. Sometimes it's basketball, sometimes it's frisbee, sometimes they're riding one another's bikes, and sometimes they're just fighting with one another, but it's kind of play. You know how it goes. Well, there were a couple of guys riding their bikes and chasing around, and this one fellow seemed to be doing figure eights and some other things, and a couple of his buddies show up, and he starts talking with them, and he lays his bike on the parking blocks out toward the end of the drive, out toward the end of the parking lot. And they're starting to chase one another around, and all of a sudden they drift off. They're going and they're playing somewhere. But the bike is on the parking block. The sun sets. The bike is on the parking block. The sun rises the next day. Bike's still there. Clouds roll in. It's raining. The bike is still there. Two days. Three days. Four days. Nearly a week. The bike is still there. And all of a sudden, we're going to have an event here at the church, and I know we're going to have to use the whole parking lot. So I drag the bike out of the parking lot, and I stick it up against the garage. Two more days. Three more days. That's neglect. Do you think he hated his bicycle? No. Do you think he abandoned it? He rejected his bicycle and said, I don't care about this bicycle anymore. No, because it was like eight days after he abandoned it in the parking lot that he, somebody came and got it. Neglect. How do we treat worship? How do we treat fellowship? Is it something we engage in regularly or do we tell ourselves, oh, you know what, I got this... this one? Okay. Hello. (laughs) But you see, if we get distracted by something else and we drift bit by bit by bit, we can also, and this was the danger that the Hebrews were facing, we can drift from our Christian life. God uses the life of the church in worship and in fellowship in order to strengthen us and enable us to walk with him and to live with him and to be conformed to the Lord Jesus. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. Why? 
And all the more as you see the day drawing near. The first weakness is that we tell ourselves that something is a little more entertaining and we don't want to get together with one another. The second reason is that we too easily forget that Jesus is returning. Jesus is coming back again. And we need to be reminded all the time that he is coming on the clouds in great majesty and glory, not this time to bring salvation, but to complete salvation, which means to bring judgment. Jesus is returning, and it's going to surprise us. And if we're not ready for it, if we're not looking for it, we're going to be shocked if we're distracted with all of these other things. And so we are to be reminding one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Each day brings us closer to Christ's return. Each day brings us closer to the world's governor coming to make all things new. The world which was once governed with a sense of obligation to its creator is now governed only with a sense of obligation to itself. And even in the church, love for the Lord grows cold. And Jesus himself said, When the Son of Man returns, will he find faith in the earth? And so... We need to consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. What we do is we encourage. That's what we see in this book of Joshua, chapter 1. How many times does it say, be strong and of a good courage? You've got a task in front of you. You've got work to do. Be strong and of a good courage. Even though you're going to face opposition, be strong and of a good courage. For the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And so we are called to consider to do this. Let's give it some thought. Let's give it some previous uh, reflections so that we can say, how may I best encourage the people around me? How may I best strengthen them in the things of the Lord? This is not just for the preacher to do. It's not just for the teachers and the elders of the church. It's for all of us to do with one another. And then act. Go do it. Even if it's a small thing. Some people are great at writing cards. My wife is one of those people. She writes a card for everything. And I know it's great encouragement. Um, Other people might just... You know, send a text or a token. Whatever the case may be, but consider how you could do this and, in fact, strengthen the church. As we do this, what we will find is that the fellowship will deepen. The relationships will become more comfortable and encouraging. We'll be sensitive to one another's needs and perhaps even the struggles that they face. And we'll find ways of pointing their, the eyes of their heart and the eyes of their faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we will have what's called biblical fellowship, and we'll find great encouragement on the way with our eyes looking for that day of return when we'll be made perfect in Christ and all things will be made new.
May God grant to us the discipline, the gracious discipline of fellowship. Let's pray together, shall we?